time for our second hour roundtable on America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. More talking truth about America. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. So tonight I don't have a roundtable here. I was supposed to be doing this show wherever I was supposed to be out of time. can't remember. But anyway, I don't have a roundtable. But I do have J.J. Koch, who's now joined me in studio for the second hour. And um, we're going to have fun talking with him in a minute. But at the very top of this hour, since I usually have the Right View Roundtable question, and I don't have one because I'd be the only one answering, I'm going to give J.J. a quiz. Okay, so today is the 230th anniversary of an amazing thing. In fact, before I tell you what it's the anniversary of, I will say this. If you have to look throughout, truly, I mean this, all human history— at what kinds of developments, what kind of growth in the uh, in in terms of developing civilization and order and safety and and a, a stable, secure society, you can name a few documents in world history, and one of them is the United States Constitution, which was signed 230 years ago today, and. For, and, you know, J.J.'s a lawyer, too, so um, he probably vaguely talked about it in law school. We did. We, we had a lot about it in law school, about the Constitution. But, you know, it's a funny thing because this kind of cultural uh, denigration of America's history throughout the last decades where we just, you know, if you ask a lot of young people about the founders, they say, oh, yeah, they're a bunch of white guys who own slaves. And they were, they were you know, they just, they don't appreciate the majesty of the ideas that, that underlay the creation of America. And the notion of the Constitution was not a random set of laws, a random set of ideas that just kind of came up and they, you know, in, in a cavalier fashion, just put together a bunch of rules. All of the structure behind the Constitution was dedicated to preserving individual liberty and preventing tyranny. It was dedicated to the idea, if you want to be an Antifa fool and protest all day long, that you can do that. Unless you hurt somebody else or break someone else's property, you can do that. You're allowed to engage in free speech regardless of how popular it is. And the Constitution was designed to keep the the power in the hands of the people to let the most directly elected people Uh, in our country, in the government, which is the Congress, responsible for making laws. I mean, this is a, this was a a design, thought through, argued through people who had historically studied government and and knew their their long-term history. They knew these are the ideas you have to weave in to prevent and to create a society where you have You have civil society, you have freedom of the individual, you have freedom from tyranny. The ideas of the Constitution simply could not be more important. And so, I'm celebrating the anniversary of the Constitution, so here's my first quiz. Question. Okay, so a recent poll uh, by the Annenberg Public Policy um, Center at University of Pennsylvania. What percent of Americans do you think could not even name a single right protected by the First Amendment? Get get really, really close. uh, Let's say thirty percent. Okay, he's kind of a negative guy. Okay, no, actually, it's thirty-seven percent. So even higher. But you know what? Just stop. I mean, I know we're both lawyers, but still, the First Amendment is like everyone. I learned it in high school civics. I know I did. I mean, and I the the notion. So thirty-seven percent of Americans could not name a single right protected 
by the First Amendment. Okay. What percentage of people could not name a single... Um, no, 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 Okay. What percentage could name all three branches of government? The federal level, three branches of government. What percent knew all three? I'm going to say under 50%. I'm going to say 42%. Okay. Not even close. 25. Oh, that's sad. Okay, 26, 26. Oh, that's sad. It, it's terrible. And, you know, yeah, this concept that you, um, you, you have this precious constitution that was worked on and the blood, sweat, and tears, and then we fought, we fought to have this country. And these people, we live under these freedoms, and we don't even value them. Okay, one more. Um, what percentage cannot even name any branch of government? Could not name any branch of government at all. 15%. 33. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm just telling you all this to say, you know, we, I, I do know, I've read about the thinking in academic institutions and, you know, even not just colleges, but elementary school and high school. We have allowed the liberal thought that is antithetical to valuing America to, to pervade our institutions. So young people don't really see what difference does that make. Why should I have to learn the Constitution? What difference does it make how many branches of government there are? But these ideas were created, as they say, to preserve liberty. And we, we have people who don't know them, don't value them, can't even figure out why we're even talking about this. Okay. Uh, I guess that's my end of my quiz for today. Okay. Actually, here we go. One more. Um, how many people could name the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court? <laughs> 22%. Okay, you're very, very close, 28, yeah. Actually, I was surprised it was that high. I know. I did this other radio show where I was supposed to come up with uh, the Supreme Court justices, and uh, honestly, to have to name nine at the top of my head on air, I was like scrambling on my phone. <laughs> Yikes, do I know all of them? Anyway, so I, I just tell you, folks, it's great to celebrate the Constitution. we got to go off to a break here. Come back. I'm going to talk to J.J. Koch about the direction of Dallas, direction of Texas, and so don't go away. We'll be right back. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact... First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. 
You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. And I, again, thank you so much for tuning in. I have in studio tonight um, a Dallas person. He's a friend, J.J. Koch. Um, he's also a lawyer, and uh, he's a candidate. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But I want to kind of get his impression about some things that are happening in Dallas. And just to start with, and J.J., you probably saw this yesterday, but uh, so our attorney general, uh, Ken Paxton, doesn't live in Dallas. He lives in McKinney, and it's just north of Dallas. And he has been among the leaders, among the attorneys general around the country, leaders on several significant conservative uh, movements, one in particular being pressuring the Trump administration, essentially saying, you know, I need um, we, the attorneys general, we need you to enforce your promise to rescind DACA or else we will file a lawsuit because DACA, again, uh, deferred adjudication for childhood arrivals is basically saying if your parents brought you into America and you wasn't your fault, you know a thing about it that that you cannot be deported. And regardless of your view on the substance of that question, the fact was President Obama issued it as an edict, something the Constitution, the Great Constitution, does not permit. So, 
this is what Paxton said, uh, and so President Trump gave it to Congress, and so DACA is now up, up in up in the air. Plus, we've had the Texas legislature has come out and said essentially we're not going to have sanctuary cities; we're going to punish them. So, a bunch of protesters showed up, attempted to show up at, at Lieutenant Attorney General Paxton's house yesterday. Unfortunately, some of the good guys showed up to uh, fight back. But I'm just curious your overall impression. Do you think that Texas did we go too far to say we're going to cut funding to sanctuary cities, as an example? Thank you for having me, Debbie. I don't think we did. I think that um, one of the biggest problems that we face with all the issues surrounding illegal immigration have to do with reestablishing the rule of law. When you look, I mean, and General Paxton, good, good man, and he has been consistent under the Obama administration and now under the Trump administration. He is pushing what is best for Texas. Uh, He's been very clear about that, um, that, you know, DACA, uh, while... um, you know, certainly is arguably unconstitutional. It'd be difficult to undo that right now. Um, the executive branch has gained a tremendous amount of power uh, from the Supreme Court, and you know that's going all the way back to Nixon. That deference um, that is that has continued. I think it's critical that uh, regarding DACA, we we push that question into the Congress so we can reestablish the rule of law and make sure that we're making laws where laws are supposed to be made on the floor of the House and then to the Senate and then and only then to the president's desk. Yeah. You know, that back to the Constitution we were talking about in the last segment, you know, as it just was not random that the power in the Constitution given to make laws is held, you know, is entrusted to the people who are elected by we the people. And so this, you know, the fact that was among the things I want to talk about, we talk about the Constitution a lot in this show, but to the degree you let agencies pass laws or exceed their authority under existing statutes, you're you're usurping the whole place of the the power the Constitution intended to give to the to the members of Congress. So, to me, DACA. I mean, leave the merits aside because I went I talked about it way too long last week. But the regardless of the merits, it can't be something you let the executive branch decide. I mean, right. do you agree with that? Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And. The executive branch, how it was established, I mean, essentially, we are not a uh, parliamentary system. Uh, the deliberative three bodies were established to be slow and deliberative. Um, you know, emergencies typically, and, and we've seen the long history of emergencies uh, throughout uh, our history, where we do move things quickly uh, in the wake of September 11th, um, the passing uh, the, the consolidating of Homeland Security and, and the, the agencies. Now, some would say some of the pieces of that were unwise, and later they, they were unwound, and we sorted it out as a democracy. Um, uh, to paraphrase Winston Churchill a bit, you know, he had stated that the Americans get it right, it just takes them a while to get there. Where he was wrong in that statement, or where he was kind of, you know, perhaps missing the point, we get it right because we're taking our time, and that's critical. Yeah. Let me ask you this, though. Okay, so people show up at uh, Paxson's house because they're protesting. I do think there's an element, what that reflects is there has become a stridency in the advocacy of the American left that just says, we don't have to follow the law. I don't care what immigration law says. I don't care whether, you know, we, we're, we, there's a system to become a citizen. I'm here. It's not my fault. There's a demanding tone to me behind the DACA advocates or behind the advocates, people saying, you know, we can't, uh, I, I get to live here. I support sanctuary cities. I don't want anyone to, to send me home. There's an advocacy that lawlessness is okay because that's what I want. Right. Well, and I think, 
you know, um, I was born in 1979, so I can't speak intelligently about this, maybe, regarding the 60s. Now, I know that you're born around the same time, so you may have a hard time <laughs> yeah, right. reflecting the 60s. Except I was out of, but, out of college, but, but go ahead. But, but here's the thing. I mean, we've seen this story play out before. We've seen the lawlessness. We've seen how um, violence um, spills out and has horrible effects, you know, Kent State and so forth. Um, you know, you had the, the Black Panther Party. You had, you know, those that were uh, arming themselves and, and, you know, bombing military stations. I mean, th- this is this is not something unseen or unheard of uh, in our history. Now, the political outcome was the silent majority, Nixon's election, and so forth, right? And I think that's probably some of the things that um, allowed President Trump to get where he's going to get uh, and, and perhaps may win him re-election. But... You know, regarding civil society and what we should be doing, this does need to end. We need to, you know, restore law and order. Civil, I mean, you can hold the farthest left views or the farthest right views. We have to be able to use the public square properly. I so agree with that. And I think that's part of what we're seeing is, uh, you know, with respect, we can switch to talking about the statues now, but there's been so much controversy about the demand to remove Confederate era statues, whether it was Robert E. Lee and there are other ones now under question. And, you know, we had the Christopher Columbus statue that was desecrated. And I mean, many other um, just uh, anyone kind of related to that era of time or earlier. And uh, and Christopher Columbus actually was way before, obviously, the Civil War. And, and this is just, just this, this underlying agitation against America. And I just think against much of American history. And I, I think that we really lose out as a, as a country if we don't say, you know, in Western civilization, in civilized countries, we have a conversation. You say your part, and we say ours. We listen. We try to listen to each other. We eventually have to get to a decision. Either the statues go or stay. But we are we're in a, a place of lawlessness in so many ways that the left isn't really saying. I mean, the, the statue last week, that the removal in Dallas of the Robert E. Lee statue was just a uh, you know not going to listen to the citizens. City council decided. So I mean, I'm just going on. on. Well, so what do you think about all that? What should have happened with the statue? Well, I think. The establishments of our rights allow for this wonderful public square, right? And it, it's allowed to go a little bit too far in some respects because it has to. You have to be kind of wide open in order to get the type of discussion to advance society. And that's, the, that's really the beauty of our Constitution is that we um, have this tremendous strength that we don't have to be uh, ultra-authoritarian. So uh, regarding the statues and how the discussion has, has not happened, I think the problem is you have some violent groups that are just shouting conclusions. And we never get a chance to sit down, slow down. Okay, take me back. What are the premises behind these conclusions? And that can help educate everyone. And, I, and in this respect, I blame Mayor Rawlings. He pushed this forward as an act of fear. He was afraid that by keeping the statue up, there was going to be this violence. It could have been a teachable moment, a chance to have tremendous debates on at college campuses, SMU's campus, perhaps downtown, between for and against, and really thoughtfully you know, work out the myth or the truth regarding General Lee and other aspects of the Confederacy. It's unfortunate because now we still have both sides, um, whether it be you know, the, the extremes or even those folks that are in the middle that, that just have to live a regular life and can't take time to think about this, they're going to end up picking a team and shouting conclusions rather than getting a chance to learn about the premises and get deep into this issue. And unfortunately, it's just a continuation of how our civil society, when we're cut off from it, allows us to be 
so ignorant of things. Yeah, I love that that expression about our cut off from civil society because you know there have been a lot of slogans, a lot of anger, and uh, and I've had dozens and dozens of conversations on this subject with various people. And I, I do one small point I'll make. It's not really black versus white. I know there's a lot of effort to argue that the effort to say on the left, well, we just care about uh, black American citizens today. And they're offended by a statue of the leader of the Southern forces, the leader of the South that was defending slavery. But, you know, I, I have, I have black conservative friends who think the statue should have stayed. I have white liberal friends who are happy it came down. It's not really a race issue. And I, I resent the notion of just uh, pe- pegging people that way, saying, well, you know, the only reason you think this is because that. And I think there, really, there are a lot of, and then I will say there are also a lot of innocent people involved in the discussion because I saw this article, um, I think the Dallas Observer guy, Jim Schutz, I think his name is. Yeah. He interviewed somebody at this at the uh, statue, and he reported how it was an older black woman who just said, you know, was just teary-eyed with gratitude that that Robert Lee statue was removed, and said, you know, I never thought I'd live to see the day. I want, I want this gone. It doesn't belong here. And so she was grateful. So they're innocent people with strong views too. And now I can see we must go off to a break. But JJ's going to hang around. We're going to be right back after the break, and I want to talk about a bunch of other stuff. Don't go away. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony list, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. 
They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. We have in studio tonight J.J. Koch. And the other reason he's here, he is running. Uh, he's a candidate for a Dallas County Commissioner's Court. And in very brief summary, it is just the it's like city council of the county. It is the five-member panel that runs Dallas County. And the head of it of any time is the county judge, which is not a courtroom judge. It's the person who's head of the Dallas County Commissioner's Court. So J.J. is running for this seat. And I want to just read him something. I was telling him on the break that Dallas County Judge Clay Jenkins, who is, he's up in 2018, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yeah, okay. Dallas County Judge Clay Jenkins reacted when Governor Abbott signed the Sanctuary City Bill. And the short story is the Texas legislature this year actually passed a Sanctuary City Bill, which is cutting off money to cities which designate themselves Sanctuary Cities, meaning they will not comply with federal immigration law when they have in custody someone who is should be reported to the Immigration Service and potentially deported because they're here illegally. They will not cooperate in notifying the federal authorities. And so people who actually believe in law and order think that there shouldn't be sanctuary cities. It's kind of the designating of lawless cities. But anyway, here was Clay Jenkins' comment, though, about what Governor Abbott um, signed. Clay Jenkins said in a statement um, very recently, May 7th, um, said, what this really is is a show-me-your-papers law designed to racially profile and intimidate a segment of the society. It's going to make our jobs tougher because you're going to be less likely to call 911. So can you just False. take that apart? So what's Abs- wrong with Absolutely that? wrong. And what's, what's particularly damaging for an attorney, Clay Jenkins is an attorney, to say something like, yes, hmm. yes, unfortunately. And, you know, in a statement like that, it, it's just, it's political grandstanding. It is misrepresenting what the law actually does. You know, if you have an ice hold, you're in jail, 
then you're going to go and be handed over to the federal government. It has and, nothing to do with, you know, knocking down doors and searching for people's papers. Okay, ICE hold is immigration and, I'm sorry, what? Customs enforcement. Okay, so you're holding someone you know you should notify ICE because they are not legally here. Yes. So someone in jail, and, and so what this sanctuary cities bill would require is that actual compliance with that federal law. Right. right. Let the federal government know that you have them. And then if they do, you know, if ICE wants to pick them up, then they pick them up. And, and sometimes in some instances they don't. And then, and then you have to let them go if they're no longer yes. being held. Okay. Or, or, you know, continue them through the process. They, they may have, <laughs> they may be on their way to trial and they're, you know, but they may bond out at, at that point too. So what about Clay Jenkins argument that this will make people less likely to call 911 if they're afraid to get the attention of the police and then perhaps get turned over. Right. Um, he's misrepresenting that. So, I mean, if I'm if I'm calling the police on someone else, someone who's, you know, burglarizing or committing a crime, and, you know, <laughs> yes, you should be calling the police right away. And unfortunately, because of the disastrous uh, relations between the mayor's office and the police, uh, we have less officers here. Uh, but hopefully they'll get there eventually. They'll pick someone up. And, and you're a victim. You're a witness. You know, you're, you're not going to be treated any differently than anyone else. The only individual that gets treated differently is the one who committed a crime. And that is sensible that we take those who have committed crimes and get them out of this country. Actually, that's a very good point. The witness, the, the person who calls the police is not subject to this uh, ICE thing. Yeah, and, and there's yeah. robust protections in place anyway. You know, those that are uh, here illegally, that are witnesses or victims of a crime, um, there's a special status for them to stay here. So it, it, it's it's fallacy. And um, what he's spreading is is dangerous. Because it could, it could potentially, if people are listening to him, and hopefully they're not, uh, because, you know, <laughs> you never want to listen to a guy like that. No, but, but if people in communities are listening to him, they may in fact become uh, scared to Afraid. call someone. That's such a good point. He may be planting the fear right. he's claiming will happen. Right. Wow. Okay. So what else? Uh, Dallas County Commissioner's Court, and this is true in every county in Texas and in counties around the country. It's a, it's a segment of government you don't always hear a lot about, but what, I mean, you're running for county commissioner court. What, is it, what are the things they need to change and do? Well, so in urban counties, right, county commissioners' courts, if you didn't have any municipalities, they would do everything, you know, the water, the trash. But since we're in an, uh, an urban environment, the municipalities take over those more mundane type things. And the county commissioner's court still deals with the courts, Justice Administration and law enforcement. I mean, those those are the real keystone things that they do that you know that only the county can do, and that's three quarters of the operating budget. So it's critical that you have an eye toward law enforcement. You understand criminality. You understand justice administration and how to make those things more efficient. So what changes need to happen in Dallas based on on the running the Justice Department, running the Police Department, and all that? Well, sure. So regarding law enforcement, I think our, our sheriff's office is, is poorly managed. Uh, that comes from the top. That's, that's poor leadership under uh, Lupe Valdez. And uh, they, they're in a position where, you know, Lupe um, was criticized heavily in her first couple terms. Uh, she still couldn't get um, out of the, the federal trouble she was in. And now things are, are fairly copacetic. And she's not going to touch the dial at all uh, to try to do things to improve uh, procedures in that sheriff's department. Uh, that trickled all the way down throughout the sheriff's department. They're, you know, they're not offering up new ideas. They're not trying things. And they are a keystone part of our law enforcement community here in Dallas County. They're not just those that are picking people up in the jails. And we're just time in the break. There's a problem in terms of just uh, efficient staffing or structured staffing. So you have officers lined up in Saturday night bringing people in. And I mean, what is the 
problem? What is the fix? Right. It's not an easy fix. Um, our jail is old, and it's um, it was designed under kind of the old ideas on how to do things. And unfortunately, you know, when you have, um, you know, big Friday nights and big Saturday nights, that's when a lot of folks are being arrested. Um, you can have a backup uh, there, and you can have some officers uh, for some of the smaller municipalities waiting a considerable amount of time to get back on duty uh, in their particular town. Um, you know, if you're a municipality with 19 officers and you have three down on a, a felony arrest and, you know, maybe there's a couple arrestees on a deal, all of a sudden now response times are down considerably. That jail needs to process arrestees in very, very quickly and get those officers turned around back on the streets serving their communities quickly. You know, as a county commissioner, I'm making sure that gets done. I'm going to hound them. Good. Okay. I'm actually glad to hear all that because I, I was never really, I mean, I, I'm aware there's a budget and I'm certainly aware of some colorful characters on the county commissioner's right, court, right. apparently still going to be there, right. John Wally Price. But um, but beside that, uh, you know, honestly, I just, I'll, I'll tell folks if you're listening, you really have to, um, people get, or I get excited about the federal issues in Congress and the Senate and the Constitution and, and border security and, and refugee policy and funding our national defense and all sorts of very, very important issues. But I've heard people talk about the notion that really your day-to-day life, you know, the percentage of your life really impacted um, by some uh, level of government, a ton of it comes from local government and you don't really pay attention to it. There's amazing stories about that. And I really think that if, uh, you know, Dubner and Levitt uh, Levitt from uh, Freakonomics could take a look at some of those issues, (laughs) people would be shocked. Do you remember, uh, I, I remember you're from the Northeast, you ever heard of Levitt Towns? Actually, I'm sorry to say no. Planned communities that were built after World War II. And they were, you know, uh, this super efficient builder could just throw these towns up quickly. You know, guys coming home could could have their That's own. That's cool. No, yeah, their, their, their own home, you know, living the American dream. Well, it, it's always been pointed to, the mythology is that this was all about how the, um, you know, builder, Levitt, was just, you know, he had all the supplies together. This was such a beautiful idea. He cornered the market by making sure to pay off plenty of the city councils so only his stuff would be spec and under the codes so that he could build his houses. Wow. That is actually a, a, I mean, corruption occurs at every level in both parties and every state and all that. Having said that, there is a great potential for things like you're describing in a local government like county commissioner's court and you putting out contracts and you're supposed to have bids for them and the potential for a corrupt official to uh, to do corrupt things is is, uh, is uh, significant in the county commission level. Okay, so we're going to rip off to break, but tell me, our listeners, if you would please, JJ, if they want to know about your campaign, where do they go? Best place to go is jjkoch.com. That's jjkoch.com. Okay, and you also do you have a Facebook page for this? Or you... I do, yeah. Uh, JJ Koch for Dallas County. A little bit longer, but you can still get there. Okay, I'm just I'm grateful to have you here tonight and talk about the issues um, facing Dallas and facing Texas. And I just think you know that I'm always trying this show to talk not just about the problems, but about the solutions. And and even though I've been on a lot of topics tonight, I do feel like a lot of America is more awake to like the issues we were talking about. I think more Americans than you can believe are alert to the dangers of DACA, of just having people with no immigration status permitted to stay. And they're they're alert to and awake to the dangers of sanctuary cities. I mean, the Kate Steinle story in San Francisco helped make a real face on that issue. And I think, so. and actually I'm going to share, I come back from the break, I'm going to share with you um, some amazing stuff about how Americans are really more wide awake to the um, 
the danger of left-wing ideas than the left wants you to think. You know, we see the media, we see uh, Democrat politicians, and they seem like they everyone's agreeing with them, and the conservatives are saying, no, wait, no, wait. But actually, America is far more awake than, than the left would like them to be, far more awake than me like them to be, and really able to recognize a lot of the policies the left talks about, whether it is expand, Bernie Sanders, you know, Medicare for all, socialized medicine. Um, There's a whole bunch of issues. Americans are far more awake than the Democrats would like. I'm going to tell you more about that. We come back after the break. JJ, thanks for coming in. Thanks so much. On August 2nd, 2006, Debbie Lee was notified that her son, Mark Allen Lee, had been killed, becoming the first Navy SEAL to lose his life in Iraq. She had no choice about the news that was given to her, but she did have a choice how she responded. In response to her son's amazing last letter, she founded America's Mighty Warriors to honor the sacrifices of our troops, the fallen, and their families by providing programs that improve quality of life, resiliency, and recovery. Whether America's Mighty Warriors is hosting retreats for families of the fallen, helping heroes heal who are struggling with traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder, providing relaxation at the Heroes Hope Home, stepping in when an injustice is committed, or doing random acts of kindness. As Mark mentioned in his letter, they know the price of freedom and who pays it. Our troops and families of the fallen need your support. Visit americasmightywarriors.org today to learn more. That's americasmightywarriors.org. There's a lot of talk today among media and academia in our culture about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers? It's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield. Flag is a nonprofit battle tank working to change the cultural and media narrative about America. If you think it's time to stand up for America, join the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. Your support of Flag is an investment in the America your children will inherit. Visit their website at flagusa.org and consider donating. All donations are 100% tax deductible. That's flagusa.org. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. 
Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. Folks, you know what? I just love doing this show every week, and I always have to give just, I'm so grateful for the sponsor for this show. GC Works is a sponsor of America Can We Talk. And GC Works is a Dallas-based company that performs research in advanced technology and delivers innovative approaches to the oil and gas industry. Could not do the show without them. So grateful for them. Okay, you know, I always get this point. It's, I have a one segment left and like 13 things I want to talk with you about tonight. I do urge you to go to our website, americachemitalk.org. I'm going to be posting more columns, little short videos. Same with our, our Facebook page, America Can We Talk. We have great conversations, and we actually have uh, liberals that chime in. So as uh, long as people are polite, I thoroughly invite the discussion um, about all the issues that we face as Americans. And I, I want to go back one more time to the issue of race in America, because I think that we are just entering a very dangerous phase. It doesn't have to be that way. This, I think the media in this country works very, very hard to paint America as more divided and more racist by a landslide than is really true. White supremacists and Nazis, there are more people who believe in the flat earth in America than than there are white supremacists. This is not a country filled with um, racists. Having said that, we cherish Western civilization and the virtue of discussing the issues and challenges our country faces. It is a hallmark of civilization to be able to have hard discussions listen to each other, exchange ideas. I think that we can, we as who love this country need to reassert that, to demand it of ourselves, of our communities, of our conversations and our political organizations, demand that we try to, we insist that people stick to the issues and talk about these very hard issues. I tell you, there are, there are people who are not radical left crazies, but they really think the statue should have come down. I have a friend who says she's actually more like a political colleague. She's black. She's Republican. Uh, we agree on lots of things. And she was so happy when that uh, Robert E. Lee statue came down. And we had an hour-long conversation about it. And, you know, respectful, listen to each other, hug me at the end. She said, you know, thank you. I'm so glad you want to hear my thoughts. I said, thank you for yours. Those kind of conversations, they, they help meld our society. They help keep us connected, help us remember who we are as Americans. And we have to have more of those because the the left will try 
very, very hard in this country. The radical left, which is, has taken control of the Democrat Party, will try to divide us. And to the best way is to refuse to be divided. The best way to respond, to overcome that. The left works, the media works very hard in to exaggerate, um, you know, the depth of racist uh, tension in this country. A specific example I wanted to mention as we're getting to the closing time is that you may have also know, noticed ESPN. Now, I will say as an aside at our house, uh, my husband loves sports. We have one of our uh, sons who's around a lot. He, uh, adult sons, he, he uh, loves sports. They turn ESPN, ESPN on, and honestly, I know ESPN's numbers are sinking because they have allowed that sports program to become so political, so politicized, so obnoxious, so left-wing. And so right now they're in the middle of a huge controversy. They have ESPN host Jamel Hill, a female uh, ESPN, a black female ESPN host, who spent a weekend in a Twitter, Twitter rampage calling President Trump a white supremacist. And I don't even know. I didn't want to read her tweets. I, don't, I mean, she just had a rant. But I raise this to say this is just one institution in this country, but it's a really good example of the impact of when the left and the media create a drumbeat and they're, they're, they create the sense of division and outrage and racism and and just people who aren't very engaged, who don't actually read, who don't reason well, they get drawn into that. It's why it's important. And they actually believe it because they don't actually find out what's true. Now, look, President Trump, whether you loved him, hate him, was your choice, he wasn't your choice. You know, he had a career in the public eye for decades. I mean, did wonderful things to help uh, low-income Americans did wonderful things to help black Americans, stood up against racism. He so, But all of a sudden, he's president, and because he's a Republican president, the Democrat Party is desperate to destroy him. He's become, in their words, a white supremacist. In fact, this has been an issue that there was a very lengthy kind of seminal piece written in The Atlantic uh, by some crazy person. Just the premise of it was, you know, Trump is a white supremacist, and why did he win the election? And, I mean, she just goes on and on from there with just this this, this ignorant diatribe. And, you know, I, I, I raise all this to say there is a lot of tension. There's a lot of that name-calling. But I actually think most Americans, and I mean the vast majority of Americans of all backgrounds, all races, all ethnicities, ethnicities and even both political parties, already see through this. And I think we have to more and more as Americans stand up, reject the picture the left is trying to paint of America, reject it, insist that we are a country above racial division, that we can talk about hard issues, we can resolve the statues, we can resolve you know, all sorts of issues without having the racial name calling, without having the attribution of white supremacists, because you know, it is a, um, it, it's a cancer when that to our society when that belief is planted and sown and the healing of it is to rise above it to rise above it and reject that of what as what america is espn's in a big mess because because they do they've become so political so left-wing so um just ridiculous that now they have a woman who's attacking the president of the united states for no rational thing except she read in the news someplace he's a white supremacist and they can't figure out what to do with her. I mean, they, they have, you know, her supporters want her want her to stay. Uh, 
you know, a lot of the mainstream America, Heartland America that loves sports, loves football, loves ESPN, are just so sick of them, they won't watch them anymore. But that is one thing you can do, and I totally advocate, is the um, that stop letting these people demand your attention. Stop paying for their services. Stop paying to have them on your cable system. I mean, ESPN has to get the message in the wallet because they obviously otherwise can't get it. And, you know, it's another sad commentary in America, which is organizations like ESPN and, and other outlets it's safer to them to be left-wing wacko and refuse to punish someone who goes off on a rant, who goes off name-calling the president, and they can, they can just, it's easier for them to default into being uh, left-wingers, and that's the safe zone, because it is a safer zone, frankly, in America, uh, than, than saying conservative views, because conservative views will bring you the wrath of the American left. Conservative views will bring you the wrath of the, um, the leftists, the media. It's just a politically safer thing. ESPN is calculating to, to go left wing because Republicans never stand up because conservatives won't fight back. Conservatives will just let us do this. And so really it is for the, you know, the vast majority of Americans, it's our job to stand up and reassert not just that it's deeply, terribly wrong to call Republicans racist or call Trump racist. It's wrong to paint that picture of our country. It's wrong. It is a lie. And we need to call it that and call it out when we have left wingers trying to paint America as this ugly place and that with their picture has nothing to do with the reality of America. Okay, on the subject of people really getting it, and actually the left isn't winning, I wanted to share some happy stats, just some good information. You know, the left is so loud, so insistent, so insulting, so divisive, so angry, so critical, so, you know, determined to paint America as a bad place. But I'll give you a few examples of why I think to be heartened, okay? We had... Hillary Clinton had the nastiest campaign ever, you know, lost by length. She she did not win the presidency. She couldn't win the Electoral College. She's on her tour now, her, uh, you know, blame everybody else but me tour, explaining what happened to her book. But I think what happened, she's explaining, her book is called What Happened, and she's trying to explain why she lost the presidential election. But I think it's because the core of America is a good, noble, decent country they recognize that the left has become so radical, so left-wing, so off the American, um, outside the Constitution, outside of what America is supposed to be, that they don't want it. I'm going to give you some examples. Bernie Sanders is proposing Medicare for all, which is basically he's saying, let's get with the socialized medicine thing. Just give in and do socialized medicine. That's what Bernie Sanders is advocating. And he's embarrassing Democrats. They, they, they recognize that this is not going to help them. So let me just give you a few stats about that. So in the states, you know, various states try different forms of, of you know, socialized medicine, different um, aspects of socialized medicine. And one was in Colorado where they ran a, an ad for, they, they ran a ballot initiative trying to create socialized medicine in Colorado. And this is at a time when it was called Colorado Care. And it was the same thing as Bernie Sanders Universal Health Care. It went down by 79%. of Colorado voters voted no. In this atmosphere, with Bernie Sanders pushing socialized medicine, Hillary Clinton mocking everybody who won't agree with the left for socialized medicine, the American people know 
better. And that's the state that Hillary won, even in Vermont. Uh, they pulled the plug on their own single player, single payer plan, socialized medicine plan in 2014. And uh, this is there are other examples like that. The American people are rejecting the left wing ideas. We think that the ideas are growing in power and people are listening to them, but they are not. And a similar similar example um, there was a, um, you know, during the election cycle, Bernie Sanders got behind a variety of left-wing people, and people think, oh, he's so popular. Look, all these people voting for Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders campaigned for Russ Feingold, who promised a 15, you know, a socialist idea, $15 uh, federal minimum wage, end of trade deals, free college, all the stupid liberal silliness. And Feingold, a long-term senator, had 100% name recognition uh, in the state of Wisconsin, and he lost to incumbent Republican Ron Johnson. Similar examples exist in the um, uh, in all sorts of elections. Bernie Sanders tried to get behind Democrat opponents and bring radical leftist ideas, and the American people rejected them. Even the victory of Donald Trump this past election cycle was not a rejection of the of Barack Obama as a person. It was a rejection of the lat- radical left-wing ideas that Barack Obama brought to America that Hillary Clinton happily tried to bring to America. America knows better, and we all do know better. This is Debbie George Ass, American Community Talk. Talk to you in a week. Thank you for listening to America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org. America Can We Talk, truth about America. America.